Before we uh, get too far, I want to just, uh, first of all, apologize to those that are downstairs in the fellowship hall. I was the camera guy. It was not good. Uh, so if, if you were upstairs this morning, it was a good week for you to be upstairs. For those that are downstairs, I'm sorry that I kept forgetting to send it over to where they were. So a lot, oftentimes you saw a blank screen. So <laughs> I apologize. It's a good way to get out of doing a job, though, let me tell you. Um, and the other thing I want to do is I want to just, before we begin in the sermon this morning, I, w- I want to take some time to talk a little bit. First of all, I want to give an update about Don LeMaster, and I want to give and share some information about Julia Kobe. Um, and then I want to take a little bit of time just to pray for both of them this morning before we enter in um, into God's Word. So first of all, Don LeMaster, for those um, who, who aren't aware, he, is, uh, he was taken um, from his home by ambulance. He's in hospice. Um, and waiting for some placement there. Um, but if you want to continue to pray for Don, um, most of all, pray for Sandy as well, as she's now um, looking at how to care for her husband differently. And um, so we will, we will take time to pray for them as well. And also, Julia was also taken from her home by ambulance the other night, and she'll be at LGH for a few days. She has um, some flu, and with her lung conditions, it just kind of complicates things. So um, would you bow your hearts uh, with me in prayer this morning as we pray for both of them? Oh, Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks this morning. We recognize the gift uh, that today is. We, we woke up, and uh, the sun is shining, and we could feel the warmth this morning, and we know that that is just your kindness in our lives. And uh, we do want to stop and give you thanks for that today. And Father, we do want to pray for, for Don. Um, we, we recognize that his condition is, is declining and it is becoming more and more difficult uh, for him to be cared for at home. And uh, Father, we, we know that, that you are uh, sovereign and good and uh, we trust in that and we take joy in that. But Father, we pray for Don and comfort. And uh, I know that his desire to finish well um, uh, rings uh, through the, the words that he speaks and the way that he lives. And Father, we pray that, that you would show him kindness in that, that he would be able to finish well. And Father, we pray for Sandy as she looks to continue to care for Don and the questions that must arise from that and the concern. And, and Father, we, we give you thanks that, that she trusts in you the way that she does, that she leans on you the way that she does. But Father, as a congregation, we look for opportunities that we can come alongside of her, that we can show her love and care as well. Um, Father, we recognize that she has to be overwhelmed, that she has to be exhausted. It is not an easy task, Um, and we just pray that you would continue to give her the energy she needs, the wisdom she needs, but again, Father, continue to surround her by brothers and sisters that will continue to lift her up in care and prayer as well. And then, Father, we pray for Julia this morning, too, as as she just is is fighting this flu and the complications that come from from her lung condition, Father, we pray that that you would... uh, relieve discomfort and pain from her father, that, that you would allow the doctors to be able to treat her well, that, that her body would recover quickly, that she would be able to heal quickly, that, that the, the stay in the hospital would be merely temporary. 
And then, Father, we pray for Bob as well as he looks to care for his wife. Um, give him, uh, again, wisdom and discernment on how to, how to, how to juggle caring for her uh, within, the, within her stay at the hospital, but also as she comes home. Uh, we give you thanks for Bob and Julie and the, and the way they have served our church and the way they care for those here in our church. And uh, Again, Father, would we look at this as an opportunity to come and circle those that, that we sit shoulder to shoulder with, that we would look to care for them, that we would look to encourage them and love them well. Father, we uh, look at it as an honor to be a part of this body, um, and we pray that we would just continue to be faithful as we serve one another. And we know all these are only possible because of your, your Son and His gift on the cross for us, and we pray this in His name. Amen. My name is Scott Harrison. And I am the father of nine children, three girls, and six boys. See, this statement is received with a variety of responses. You see, in Nigeria, I'm given great applause. And I'm spoken about with great honor. There's a chair up front that I get to sit in. But here in the States, people often share their, their disappointment or apologize because I have so many children. I, and, and the comments people make sometimes are, are not meant to be hurtful, but, but it, it's certainly not filled with honor. Things like, Scott, you know how that happens, right? <laughs> well, I do, and if you want, I can talk to you about it. But, but Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. My quiver is heavy some days. <laughs> this is, of course, though, not necessarily how we view fatherhood in our culture today. Uh, think for a moment about all the dads you see on television shows and movies. They're simple. They're unable to really lead. They're not able to care for their children well. And often they're just, they're just the butt of the jokes throughout the storyline. Now we know these are just characters and, and storylines that are created for entertainment, but, but how we view the role of father has, has just eroded throughout time in our society. I'm often asked how, how Jess and I manage the family we have. People are often curious. Um, and, and sometimes they're looking for the like, great wisdom that I may have. I have no wisdom. But I can be honest and I can share with you the struggles that we have with our children. It is not always sunshine and rainbows at the Harrison house. Many days the odds are actually against us. Someone is going to have a bad day. Someone's not going to want to share the bathroom. Someone will not want to sit next to so-and-so. I, we actually hear, they're in my seat a lot. And I have to remind them that I own all the seats. <laughs> I ask my children, I own it all. I tell them I own it all. But it's important to understand that whether you have nine children, one child, if your kids are, are, are still in diapers, 24 years of buying diapers, that's where we're at, or if they're all grown... Your role or your responsibility as a father is always there. Being a father isn't about the gifts that you get one day a year. 
But the average amount spent on a gift on Father's Day, according to the National Retail Federation, is $133. I know what you're thinking. What are they spending on moms? That's what I was thinking. $180. This is actually the highest the Father's Day has, has been in a long time. So we're, we're getting there. But being a father is, is, a, is in itself an amazing gift. And and gift enough. There are many joys and wonderful experiences that come attached to being a father. And there's plenty of mistakes and tears that come along the way too. It takes work and sacrifice, commitment, prayer. And we even sometimes find ourselves correcting the mistakes that our own fathers made as we look to raise our own children. And as we talk about today, as we talk about fathers, as we, as we look to celebrate fathers, it's only right that we look to the Heavenly Father, the one who is perfect, the one who provides for us the ultimate example that we are to follow. Now, now think with me just for a moment about God. What qualities, what characteristics, what attributes does God have that we want our fathers to have? I mean, we, we would say we want our fathers to be loving, Merciful, just, faithful, reliable, a teacher, protective, encouraging, affectionate, forgiving, a provider, gentle, and we could keep going on and on and on. We could use the rest of our time here this morning just talking about those things, but this morning I want us to focus on God's generosity. I want us to look at what it looks like for a father to be generous. So when a, to look at the example that we see in, in throughout Scripture of God being generous. In fact, we're going to start a four-week series on generosity. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Yes, we had a congregational meeting last week where we talked about income and expenses and a building fund. And now we have a series on generosity. No, they're not connected. This has been something that I've, that I've talked to Pastor Joel about wanting to do or wanting to look at, and it worked out that as he was away on vacation, as it opened up during the summer, that I was able to, to kind of look into this. I, the more and more we spend time looking at generosity, the more and more it shapes and, and, it, and, it, and it kind of changes our, our perception of, of how we view our culture, how we care for one another. And it's a great opportunity to discuss generosity and to do so in perhaps it maybe in ways that we don't always speak about. So we're going to begin these four weeks by looking at this overwhelmingly this overwhelming love that, that God has for us. And because of that love, he, he lavishes His grace upon us. He showers us with blessings. He sustains us and He protects us. I woke up this morning and as I was standing out in the yard with the dog, I was watching the squirrels and the birds and the mice and everything else that's in our yard run around and make sounds and I thought, like, they're just, every morning, they're there. On the way here, I, I, again, the sun's in my eyes and I didn't have the sunglasses that I needed and so I'm squinting on my way in and I, I thought, again, the, there's the sun, it's always in its place. I was walking in from my car into the building and I thought, boy, isn't it nice I don't have a coat on or like it's 
three degrees and the wind's like it's warm and it's sunny and I did nothing to affect the temperature this morning. God is generous in so many ways. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to open them up to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we're going to look at just a few verses. We're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. I have no doubt many of you probably don't even need to open your Bibles. You could just probably recite that to me as we read through. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is what God's Word says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Very simple verses, many verses that you have memorized. I'm sure as we read through it, many of you even said, Believeth. But I want you to think about how many times we come across different moments, different stories, different examples throughout Scripture where human beings are giving to God. In in Genesis 4, we can go all the way back to Genesis 4. In Genesis 4, Cain and Abel are bringing their offerings to God. Noah, after the flood, the waters recede, they're on top of Mount Ararat, and and he he builds an altar and he sacrifices to God. He gives back to God. We see throughout the book of Leviticus the instructions on sacrificing in the temple. In the book of Luke, we see the, the sinful woman pouring expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus and, and washing it with her hair. We in Mark read about the widow who gives all she has to the offering. She gives her last coins. There are many examples of us giving to the Father. It's easy for us to begin to think about how much I give to God, how many things I do for God, all the good I go and do for God. And but, but, but what we really see through the pages of Scripture is God giving to us. I mean, how does the Bible begin? God gives us creation. The Bible ends with God giving us the new creation. And and we see in between God generously giving time and time and time again. God gives blessing and He gives the children the promised land. God gives His presence in the temple. God gives back His words. He gives Him His words to the prophets as He calls them back from the destructive mess that they've created in their own lives. Even in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7-8, through it says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Constantly giving. Generously giving. Lavishly giving. But I want you to look at John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world... That He gave. 
God so loved the world that he gave. That's, that's it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's it. it. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't, it doesn't get more than that. that. That's it. God loved the world so much that He gave us His Son. I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about how God gave us His Son. That's it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't get more than that. God demonstrates His generosity willfully, joyfully, and sacrificially in giving us His Son. Nobody's telling God He needs to do this. It wasn't a meeting. There wasn't a vote. There wasn't guilt. God chose to generously provide salvation for us because He loves us. As a father, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I have to remind my children, encourage my children, even force my children sometimes to say thank you. And we've all had those moments where you've done something and, and the parent says to the little kid, hey, what do you say? And there's that awkward moment where the kid doesn't want to say anything and they're staring at you and you're awkwardly waiting because you know you're just being polite and you've got to wait and the parent's like, no, come on, what do you say? We say... Thank, and the kid finally says thank you, and you're like, oh, that's okay. This is not, this is not what we're talking about here. So you could, they're not saying, the child's not saying thank you because this gratitude is just overflowing from their heart and they can't wait to utter out the words. No, they're saying it because their parent is making them say it. There's a difference when gratitude is forced. God is willfully willingly, lovingly, generously choosing to give His Son in our place. That should astound us. That should humble us. And He does this joyfully. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 speaks of Jesus, the founder of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Jesus is praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's basically asking if there's any other way. Take this cup from my hands. He knows the pain that's about to come, and yet He still goes on because He knows that the joy that will be achieved through His sacrifice, willfully, joyfully, and sacrificially, God gives. He gives us eternal life. He gives us peace, forgiveness for our sins. He gives us value. He gives us love. His gift of salvation to us is sacrificially generous. God, the creator of the world. He's the one that spoke light into existence. I, I, think I'm the, I think I'm the keeper of light in my house, right? Turn off the light when you're out of the room. Like, why can't we turn off the lights? Like, I'm often walking around the house flipping off the switches. God took where there was no light and made light. He's the one that sustains everything. 
the sun that I talked about earlier, it is the right distance from our planet. I'm, it's spinning. It, like we're, he sustains it all. He holds it all together. In Psalm 50, we read, He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Think of the things He could have given us. Think of the things He could have provided for us, but He gives us His Son. His, his one Son. Not, not cattle on a thousand hills, but His Son. Because our sin separates us from God so far, He gave His Son as sacrifice in our place. Jesus, God, God made man, this perfect, this spotless, this, this, He gave His own life so that we could have everlasting life with the Father in heaven. This is how much He loves you. This is how generous God is. So how do we respond to His generosity? Look at verses 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to save it. But how often do we know better? How often do we know what we want? How often do we know what we'd like? How often do we know what we need? We don't need to be told what to do. We don't need a, a boss. We don't need a dad. We, we've got it. You know, it begins to sound a lot like an adolescent child when we start thinking that way. Right? They always know better. Even though they have absolutely no experience or wisdom, they don't need to listen to you. We're guilty of that same rebellion. We're, we're, we, we rebel against the Creator. We, re, we rebel against our Heavenly Father in the same way. God gives His Son as a way out of condemnation, a way out of our failures, a way out of our sinful rejection of God. He's provided that for us. Romans 8, verses 3-4, through 4, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. The law is unable to save us. The law only condemns us. And because of our sinful nature, we're unable to keep the law. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son. I realize this is... This is not reinventing the wheel. This is over and over and over again about how God loves us enough that He sent His Son, that He would give His life for us, that we can't do it our own, that it's only through Christ. We're only halfway through it. In the flesh of His creation, and it was in that body God declared to end the sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. The requirements of the law would be fully satisfied in us 
who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So in Jesus, through Jesus, we can be seen as righteous. Boy, how quickly are we to look past this gift. This generous and great gift. And I think it's important that we sit in it just a little longer. God gave His Son because we can't obey the law. Some of you this morning need to hear this. We're not good enough to purchase our own, we're, we're not good enough to purchase our salvation through our own works. There's nothing you can do to, to buy your justification. If you're here this morning looking to check off a box, right? I'm at church this morning. I read my Bible this morning. I said good morning to everyone I saw this morning. Those are all really good, good things. Keep, keep doing those things. They're not enough. They'll never, they'll never be enough. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but I love you enough to tell you that. You're, it's not enough, man. It doesn't matter. It will never be enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus did, he, he did everything. He provided what was required by, the God, by God and, and he was obedient to the law. Obedient to the law in every way. He perfectly obeyed the law. Yeah, but maybe there's just a little something I can do. Right? I can, I just, this way I can prove to God that, I, that, I can, that we can do this, that I deserve my salvation. It's just something I can add. There's, there's nothing you can add except for the sin that you're bringing to the table. If there was something more for you to add, would God have given His Son? Would He have given His only Son to die on the cross for your sins if there was something for you to do? It is Christ alone who justifies your faith through His grace. As a father, there are moments, there are lots and lots of moments when one of my children want to do something themselves. (laughs) And I have to say to them, no, like, it's great, but let me do this for you. And there's always a little pushing back for, you know, no, I got this, let me do this. No, I really want to do this. And you're finally like, all right, fine, do it. And what happens? I end up having to clean it up because they spilled the milk all over the counter or they mowed over the cushion outside in the grass. Or Many of us keep saying to God, I'm going to help you with my salvation. I can do this or I can do that. Brothers and sisters, it is finished. Stop. Just just stop and give Him thanks for the generous gift that He has given us. Because all that's required from you is that you believe. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. There's great joy in that. There's great freedom in it. There's there's nothing you can do. John chapter 10, verse 18. talks about not only does God give His Son 
but the Son gives His life. So the generosity of God giving His Son, we see in the generosity of Jesus in giving His life. John chapter 10, verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus gives His life. It was not the authority of Pilate or the words of the high priest that put Jesus on the cross. It was Jesus generously giving His life for us. If we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus has prayed to the Father, willing to do the Father's will. The soldiers come to arrest Jesus. Peter grabs his sword and begins to defend Jesus, and in doing so, cuts off an ear. What's Jesus do? He picks up the ear, puts it back on the soldier, and he reminds Peter that he could have called down 12 legions of angels to defend him if that's what he wanted to do. Jesus doesn't need a fisherman swinging a sword to defend him. And he says to Peter, do you really think they're arresting me? I'm going with them. He later stands before Pilate. Do you really believe you have the authority to take my life? I'm giving my life. The generosity of God is is seen in the death of His Son, Jesus Christ, laying down His life for us. He gave it. It wasn't taken. It was the delight of Jesus to press through the pain, to accomplish the perfect will of the Father. As He's dying on the cross, He says, but for this purpose, for this hour, I have come. Jesus willfully, joyfully, sacrificially gives His life for us. They beat Him. They drove nails into His hands and His feet. They thrusted a sword in His side. There was no relief from the pain. He goes to the cross. He suffers the greatest pain and absorbed God's wrath that was meant for us to pay for our sin. And in the midst of that all, He says, not my will, but yours be done. One last time, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew. We'll go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Matthew writes this, but Jesus called to them, well, but Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever should be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Start at the bottom of this text. This section, these verses. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, as my followers, 
You're not going to dominate other people with your wealth or your talent or your status or your abilities or your power or your fame. Jesus didn't lord the authority He had over them. I came to serve others, not to be served. Jesus gives His life for us. And He does so as a ransom. God loves us. And because of that love, He gave us His Son. Jesus loves us. And because of that love, He gives us His life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. 1 John 4, 9-10, through 10, And this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that, he lo- not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Heather read Scripture this morning. She read Romans chapter 8. What a beautiful passage. If God is for us, who could be against us? And all the things that that go through in this world is all the things that we have to deal with because of His love for us, because of His gracious gift for us, more than conquerors. It's it's easy to celebrate fathers on a special day, one, one day set aside to remind us to do so. It's easy, though, to forget to say thank you sometimes. I don't don't often think of calling my dad and just saying thanks. Maybe his birthday. Maybe when one of my boys is particularly reminding me of myself that day. But 364 other days come and go. No ties, no cards, no how great is dad stuff. We just do father stuff. Not always great. Not always really well. But trying to be a good father. Waking up each morning trying to be a good father. But we have a generous, heavenly father who sets an example for each one of us, whether you're a father or not. And as we move ahead into this brief series on generosity, we're going to spend time looking at how generous we are. The example that we see in God, that He would love us so much that He gave. That He gave His Son. So as we talk about gifts and treasures, as we talk about time and talents, we even talk about testimonies. How generous are you in sharing your testimony? Remember the gracious gift, the generous gift of the Father and of the Son. So as we celebrate Father's Day today, take time and celebrate your father. Take time in celebrating me as a father. That would be fine too. But make sure that we're celebrating the one who is loving and merciful and just and faithful and reliable, a teacher, a protector, encouraging, affectionate, forgiving, and gentle and generous. Would you pray with me, please?
Heavenly Father, Lord, we again give you thanks for today. Uh, we do recognize the gift that it is. And, <laughs> and the fact that we've done nothing. We did nothing this morning but, but open our eyes and enjoy your creation and what you've given us. Father, I recognize that it is not always easy. It is not always um, without difficulty. Um, but Father, would we find time, would we find opportunities to stop and to, to give you thanks for the way that you have generously given to each one of us. Father, you have gifted us in different ways, some of us uh, in different skills and abilities and wisdom and knowledge. But Father, we all share the same good gift that is your Son, Jesus Christ. We recognize that, that in your perfect plan, you willingly, joyfully, sacrificially gave him for us. And in Jesus, in, in perfect obedience, willfully, joyfully, and sacrificially gave himself for us. As we approach uh, this idea of generosity, as we think on generous giving and generous living, would we do so in the light of the gift of you? Would we do so in the gift of your Son? Would we do so knowing uh, what you have given to us? Father, again, I thank you uh, for this congregation. I thank you for a willingness to come together and worship you as a body. I thank you for a willingness to come together and pray and care for one another in the way that we do. And Father, we certainly think of Don and Julia this morning. Father, I know of many other brothers and sisters that sit here this morning that, that we, we need to pray for and uplift as well. But Father, you, again, in your goodness and kindness, care for each one of us and work all things together for our good. So, Father, would you just be with us as we worship you um, in closing of our, our service this morning? Would you be with us as we enter into this week ahead? Would your generous and kindness and, and your lavishing of love on us, would that stay in the forefront of our minds? And, Father, again, we give you thanks this morning and pray this in your Son's name. Amen.